This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. Good everyone, Alex Chateras here with another Jets episode of the Next Jets Etc. Podcast. So with me, so my buddy, my coach, my pal, my man with a plan. The guy who doesn't have to suffer this week because the New York Jets are not playing this week. So his heart, our hearts, won't be bursting through our chest on the ground, killing us. My <laughs> you know who week. it is. My favorite my week, Alex. <laughs> the one <laughs> and only John Malika. What's going on, John? How are you doing today? What's up, man? Like you said, I I'm basically walking on cloud nine here. The Jets are off. The Knicks are playing incredible. Uh, the Yankees didn't pick up the options for their hitting coach or the third base coach. <laughs> like, all, all you need is the Red Sox to lose. And, uh, I think things will be, uh, just dandy right now. We're looking at the, we're staring at the Patriots coming up. I mean, things are happening, but how are you doing, man? How, how are those cats? We got, we got one in the picture right now. I know. I got one in my lap. Uh, <laughs> as you, you know, you got what you wanted, John. The Jets, <laughs> the Jets beat the cats out of Let's who win. Jets got the win. They beat the Knicks before the Knicks get a win, and they beat the Cats before uh, before the Cats would be done with their quarantine after having one work. Now they're now they're free. They're back. Obviously, this one's in my lap, but I'm good, man. We're getting we're slowly getting back to a little bit of normal around here, so that's a good thing. But John, I'm bearing the lead right now. We got a phenomenal guest with us on the podcast today. You may know him just around the Twitter sphere, not just the Twitter sphere. He's he's on JetX too. Okay, cool. Your Jets podcast <laughs> part of JetX. Okay, you've probably seen his work over at ESNY Gang Green Nation. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did some Knicks writing, too. I think he may have done some Knicks writing for Knicks Film School when he used to be a blog as well. Guys, we have the one and only, the man with the stats and the facts, Michael Nania with us today. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for that intro. I mean, that's, that's probably the best intro I've ever gotten. So I'm doing great now. <laughs> oh, I forgot. That's all you got. Try to cast there, baby. I forgot to add a daily news article, too. Man was in a daily news that's article right. about the that's Jets. Right. Oh, that's dude, it. that's right. He had like that full piece. Yeah, man. He had the yeah. whole feature on him too. Yeah. Man. Look, Let's talk man, about that. that. Is... Let's start with that. Let's start with that, Mike. How was that? How was that? Start? How was that? I mean, usually those are hit pieces and it's negative. How did, how did you get a positive hit piece uh, before the Jet season started, man? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Manish just reached out to me. He, he just liked my stuff and he wanted to do it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he just wanted to, you know, maybe kind of gain some positive traction back because that <laughs> yeah. wasn't a, a great time for him in terms of. Um, what people are saying about him, but, but he was really cool when he did it. I mean, I know, uh, you know, there's some other stuff that sure. he's done or whatnot, but you know, when he was talking to me, he was, he was really cool and obviously put together a really great piece about me. So like I was honored. It was, it was pretty awesome. But, uh, but yeah, I got in my basement here, like, uh, uh, a printout of the article in the actual newspaper. So that was really cool. It was sick. That was so cool. That was, man. I think for like, for, cause, essentially like bloggers, podcasters, just to have like a feature on, on yourself in like uh, a New York publication. That's, that's huge, man. So kudos to you. Great job. And it's only fitting because you do a great job with your written work, breaking down the New York jets um, and just covering the team. I mean, heck you've been known for doing watching film of all the dropbacks, especially for Sam Darnold when he was here and just rating them and coming out with the calculation and the formula for that. So that's amazing, man. Uh, and I, actually, before we, we really get into the New York Jets with that, how, how do you go about that? Man? How did you even come to think about that idea? How did you even, like, how did that process just come about? And you don't have to go into details of, like, it's, like, protector or whatnot, but it's we're just so interesting, man. Yeah, so, like, I kind of started started out with Darnold, and it really was just a random thing one day. I was just kind of thinking, how would I rate all of his games from a scale of 0 to 10? Just I think this was after 2019, so after he had two seasons, but... And just how would I, you know, compare all these games against each other? So then, you know, I started doing it and I was like, you know, what if I rated every single play and then kind of just went from there, which obviously me being the maniac that I am that would actually go through and do that. Um, I did do it. And, you know, that's kind of where I started with it. So it's just a really, to me, a really cool way to kind of contextualize quarterback play because, you know, there's a lot of stuff lost. I mean, look at Zach Wilson this year. Obviously he struggled, but, you know, he's thrown some picks that weren't his fault. 
and can make the stats look different than they should. And, you know, there's just a lot lost in the box score in terms of quarterback play. So I thought it was a good way to kind of go back and kind of uh, give give him a more, a more proper look at, at how he's been playing. Obviously, I've kept it going with Wilson now because applies to every quarterback. But um, so that's really my main goal. I just wanted to kind of contextualize the quarterback play and be like, you know, this is what the box score might say. But if you look at it and you consider the drop passes and you consider you know the throws he missed that he should have made and separation from the receivers and the pass protection, everything, you know, this is how he really played, regardless of what the box score says. So that's kind of where I started with it. Okay. How long does it take you just to go through that, man? Because we're talking, <laughs> it's a lot of dropbacks you're going through. Like, it's a lot of film you're going through. It's a lot of like, I, I can only imagine how much rewatching because it's not just one time you're watching a dropback and watching a throw go through. You're constantly like going through it and you're like, you're giving a rating to it. So how, how long does that even take? Does that take? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely the most time consuming thing I do during the week, which is why I, I kind of do it later in the week after I, cover most of the stuff in the last game, do some preview stuff for the next game. Um, but yeah, I rewatch every play a, a bunch of times because there's just so much. And this is why it's so hard to judge quarterback play just from, you know, you watch the game on TV and then give your review of how he played because there's so much stuff going on that you have to consider just the pressure from every single direction, every single receiver that's running route. Are they open? Um, looking at his progressions from, you know, one through three, one through four, however, however many receivers are running routes, you know, should he have gone to his next read? You know, was he right to get the ball out quickly? Was he right to check the ball down? Um, so I go through every play, you know, probably dozens of times, just re- rewatching it to just, just go through the whole thought process and, you know, try to figure out if he made the right decision, if he made the most of that play, um, and then going through it. So um, it takes quite a few hours I'd say for every game They're, they probably the quarterbacks probably average like 40 plays a game so um so it takes a while but it, it, it's a lot of fun to do to kind of go back in and look at the real story of the game because there are so many times that you know the the way the grade that I'll come up with will be a lot different than what, than what my perception was you know he'll play the quarterback will play it a lot better than I thought he played or a lot worse and it's cool to kind of come up with that and put a number on it based on my own opinions. Yeah, dude. I mean, we have you here because, you know, we follow your stuff and, you know, we're definitely up to date on your weekly stuff, but we're, you're really here because you're just as crazy as we are, man. I am watching (laughs) every single Jets game post the Jets game. Like people in my life are like, why even watching the Jets game to begin with? Like the, the normal one, right? Like normal broadcast but i'm going back and i'm watching it in a condensed and then i'm going back and i'm watching it with the coaches film like i'm watching uh you know this horrific team you know three times in a row and i'm you know sending little clips to alex like i told you it wasn't zach wilson's fault and you know i'm like look at this guard here you know look at look at this cornerback here like how amazing bryce hall is or look at our you know our tight ends miss every single block (laughs) you know what i mean like it's really tough so that's really why we're here, man. And that's why we, you know, we respect your work and we're not just uh, blowing smoke up your butt here. Like we, we appreciate the fact that you, um, what's the word could subject yourself to the same torture uh, as yeah. we do <laughs> and, uh, could still smile about it because at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, it's so frustrating to hear. I mean, not only, you know, quote unquote national media, but like straight up, like, j- people who cover the jets talk to me in these like generalities and you know, these like little soliloquies. And then I'm, you know, an amateur watching these games on replay. Like nobody's going to talk about how we can't get a tight end to block one person. Like no one's right. going to talk about any of these things like that. We don't have a safety, like literally in the whole game and our secondary is still killing. So, I mean, that, that that's uh, the main crux of this whole thing. So why, you know, why, why not start here, man? Like what's your, What's just your overall general feeling so far about this team? I, we, we know what the record is, man. We know about the first halves. <laughs> we know about the first quarters. But like, what's just right now? You, you're watching all the, these ta- like these tapes, like we are. So we value your opinion. So just what's your general feeling about this 2021 Jets with all the rookies everywhere, including the coaches and the players and everything? <laughs> yeah. The, so, so I mean, first of all, thanks. You know, for all the um, for everything that you said, like, I really appreciate it. And, and, you know, it's the same thing as you, like, I'm just trying to, we're all fans. And I feel like for me from the beginning, 
it's always just been about, you know, trying to look at, you know, look at the team in the most wide ranging way possible, you know, not just going off of narratives or whatever the headlines are on ESPN or anything, but you know, let's actually analyze every single little detail that's going into this big final result, you know, wins and losses, everything that goes into that. So that's really my MO. So, um, but yeah, with the team this year, I mean, like, even though only one of the games was fun, uh, obviously they're one and four, they <laughs> got destroyed in the first half, even though they made the Panthers and Falcons games close, they were getting destroyed in those games. The New England game was what it was with Wilson and they got destroyed in Denver. But even with that being said, I think when you look at the big picture through five games and you just analyze like all the development on both sides of the ball, I'm mostly positive about where the team is going right now because I feel like there are a lot of guys, young guys, Joe Douglas draft picks, um, that are developing really well and showing that they could be future building blocks for this team on defense. John Franklin Myers just gets his well-deserved extension. Quinn mm-hmm. Williams playing really well in his third season. Then the cornerback group, Bryce Hall, like you mentioned, Michael Carter, the second, CJ Mosley's back. And it's important too, even though Mosley isn't young, obviously he's going to be around just because of his contract. So you want to see him play well. And he is then offensively AVT and the offensive line. Um, Killer. I mean, maybe the, Yo, tell us, yeah. tell us about your AVT stats. You don't have to hold it back, man. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, just the fast like, because the run blocking has been there. Even just starting with the Panthers game, you could see it immediately that he had that. Obviously, not perfect yet, but really good. You could see the talent. But the pass blocking, you know, he struggled a, a little bit to start. He gave up twelve pressures the first three games, and the the first game against Carolina, he had a series at the end of the game, the last drive where um, Wilson drove and hit Corey Davis to make it a one score game. He gave up pressure on I think four plays in a row. And that's when Wilson was making all those big time plays, mm-hmm. overcoming the pressure to, you know, put together maybe his best drive of the season in terms of overall impressiveness. Um, so AVT did have his, you know, pass protection struggles to start, but he's so quickly progressed. The last two games, he's just been on fire. Zero pressure is allowed the last couple of games. Um, and it's been legitimate too. He's picking up stumps. He's picking up blitzes. He's winning one on one against Grady Jarrett. Um, against Jeffrey Simmons with the Titans, good players. So he's progressed really quickly and we'll, we'll see if he maintains it. It's five games, mm-hmm. but, um, it just great early returns for him. Um, and then Michael Carter at running back, I think, even oh, though man. the numbers haven't been there, just he doesn't go down. He breaks so many tackles. He's mm-hmm. near the top of the league among running backs in terms of missed tackles forced per carry. So, um, so just you look across the roster. I think there are a lot of good things going on and. You know, things haven't clicked yet because you got rookie head coach, rookie OC, rookie quarterback, and rookies all across the roster. Um, so things haven't necessarily clicked yet, but I think there, in terms of the individual talent, there's a lot of good stuff going on. And just the way that they were able to fight back into the Panthers and Falcons games, two games that I think under Adam Gase and even later Todd Bowles days probably would have just been wire to wire blowouts. The way that they were able to fight back into those games was was really impressive. So I could just um, see I could just see Todd Bowles' face just like staring into the abyss, like <laughs> down twenty down seventeen zero versus the Falcons in the first half, just like staring. I could totally see that. Yes, yeah, and it would just you know, go on and on, and the <laughs> comeback would never just come. And and instead of complaining about you know not making a stop to maybe actually get back into the game, we'd be complaining about. Oh, why are you punting down 35? <laughs> yeah, why are you throwing a screen down third and 19, but nobody cares? That's 24 yeah, 0. Exactly. I know. So yeah. we, we've come a long way from that type of discussion to, okay, our team played awful, but we're still in this game with a real chance to win at the end. So um, I feel like that is legitimate progress. And not, obviously, it's you know a low bar to clear with this team, but it is. <laughs> You know, they won two games last year, so you do have to take your baby steps to get halfway back. there, baby. We're halfway there. Exactly. <laughs> so, so overall, like I'm feeling, and, and we haven't talked about Zach Wilson yet, which I'm sure we will, but overall, I'm feeling pretty positive about just the development on both sides of the ball, and it, you got to be patient uh, with this team. Yeah, I mean that's what Alex preaches. Alex has been preaching patience for days. But r- real quick, I love that we asked you about the generalities of the Jets, and you brought up. Not only two rookies, but I mean, I went to the London game last week and I was fortunate enough to meet AVT and Michael Carter, the only two players that would, that stopped and hung out. 
And they are just awesome human beings. Like AVT and my like they were talking to everyone like on a personal level, they were just chilling. Like uh, AVT was going through his like workout rep with one some English guy that asked like how like how he works out. Like they are just really cool people. So it's really I think it's going to be important for those like those kind of players to infect the locker room once they're no longer rookies. And like you said, like they're killing it. They're learning so fast. And I know Alex wants to tell you about patience because like everyone's favorite guy in the whole world, Elijah Moore, like where is he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm went- I'm, I mean, I'm waiting for Elijah Moore too, but yeah, I mean, if we're like, look, both of you said it, Michael said it. It's not only like a young rookie quarterback we're talking about. Well, not, I, we're also talking about rookies all around, right? We're talking about Makai Becton, who's out right now, who would be in the second year. You got Elijah Vera Tucker in his rookie year. You got Michael Carter, who's essentially become our starting running back to a certain degree, even though it's still, you know, it's still, uh, what is it? Committee. Uh, two, we got a committee. committee two, yeah. It's not a committee. Call it. Yeah, it's no. not. Uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's a rookie back there. And, you know, it's just, it's still young with Michael Ford being a rookie offensive coordinator. You got Robert Sala as a rookie head coach. There's just, everyone's learning at the same time. So it's just, it's going to take time. I mean, we keep talking about how it's, it, it will take, we've literally gone through, we, we were supposed to have a rebuild when we never truly finished or even had a rebuild. Now this is the rebuild. Mm-hmm. So now we actually got to be patient with the rebuild. And I know everyone's like not happy to hear, you're telling me to be patient again, but that's, that is <laughs> where we are. But Mike, Mike, Michael, do you want to go by Mike or Michael, by the way, which do you prefer? Um, let's do Mike just for the sake of less syllables. <laughs> okay. Appreciate it. Uh, all right. So Mike, you brought up Michael, you brought up Michael Carter. I, I just want to get your take on him. Because you talked about how he just doesn't go down easily. I see him. He's starting to find the holes better. He keeps moving his feet, trying to plow through. And he's t- it looks like he's getting a little bit more patient. But what are you What are you seeing from him? And do you think he could be like, I, I know that we have like Kevin Coleman and Ty Johnson coming in here, but everyone was screaming their heads off like a couple of <laughs> weeks ago where Ty Johnson should be in there on third down because he's not pass blocking. Yeah, that, that was Michael- me probably leading that charge. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think Michael Carter could be in there pass blocking right now? Do you think he, he has the capability to do so? Like for some rookies, it's very difficult to do. What, what are your takes on him? Yeah, in terms of his pass blocking, I, I feel like we've seen flashes. Like there was that one play in this Falcons game where I think he got called for a penalty, but he had a really good pickup where things broke down and I think it was a defensive tackle. It might have been Grady Jarrett. Where, you know, he picked him up and kind of gave Wilson space to scramble. I I think he got hit with the face mask or something, but it's still a good, good pickup, good awareness. Um, and he was good at it in college. So, um, I think he does have the capability of doing it. Obviously he's a smaller guy, but you know, picking up pass blocking for running backs is just more about positioning and willingness. As long as you can get into the right spot and give a full effort, you know, it doesn't matter how small you are. You can still do it well. So. I think he does have that capability to be a three down back. I don't know if he ever under LaFleur will, you know, get like Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry playing time and snaps because I think the committee approach is just kind of a core element, but I think we can see him get a, a bigger portion of the load um to the point where he is like where he is right now. I think he's getting, you know, 10 plus carries a game, five mm-hmm. or so targets a game. I think he can maintain that, maybe get a little bit more, but, um, but like you said, like he's, his elusiveness has been great. And, and I know the yardage isn't there to show for it yet, but when you watch him play, just the eye test is there. He's breaking tackles consistently. Guys try to cut him down by the feet and the ankles and he runs through it every single time. Um, so I think the numbers will come in due time because the elusiveness is there. Uh, and I think with vision, that is part of the reason that his numbers aren't so great. I think there are some cutbacks that he hasn't hit but he has gotten better at that most of those i think were in the first couple games he has gotten better with it so he really does have that complete ability i think um so we'll see if he can continue growing because we've seen steady growth from him um and i think flashes of true three down ability for sure and it's and like i said it's like it's slow like you're starting to slowly see that like patience and seeing how to find the hole all of that comes in due time. Not everyone can come into the, come onto the scene like an Adrian Peterson or, or whoever and just, you know, start breaking Russian records for teams and so forth like that. So once again, young team, got to be patient. But do you think that his inability 
to not get yardage based on him? Do you think it's also kind of based on like the offensive line? Like the offensive line actually has been picking up pretty well, like each week, uh, run blocking wise, and even some pass blocking too. What are your thoughts on that? Not only uh, Michael Carter being able to rush with our O line, but what are also your thoughts on the O line as well? Yeah, the lack of rushing production is kind of interesting because it feels like they have some good things going. We just talked about Carter. AVT has been great this season. Um, I think Morgan Moses has run blocked pretty well. Connor McGovern has been uh, pretty good, I think, as a run blocker. So there's some good stuff going. But it, I think run blocking, the most important thing about succeeding in the run game is that it really has to be a collective unit, everybody. Because you can have one, two, three great run blockers, but it only takes one blown block to really blow up a play. And I think that's what we've seen a lot of this season. I think we've seen good individual efforts run blocking. But whether it's been Ryan Griffin or Tyler Croft has been disappointing as a blocker. Yeah, man. Um, it's been tough Drake, to watch on film, man. And I'm an Drake, amateur. Like, it's so tough to watch from my just, perspective, man. It, it's been brutal, the tight ends. <laughs> so the tight ends are a big part of it. Um, Greg Van Rowen, obviously, everyone knows at this point what he's been doing. And George Fan, I think, has been great in pass protection. But run blocking, I feel like, on the left side, he's been a downgrade compared to Beckton. So... I think the seeds of a really good run game are there. We saw it, we saw it against New England. The run blocking in that game was great. They're consistently mm-hmm. getting pushed, uh, and they're very consistently getting solid games. So I think the seeds are there. It's just, you know, when your tight ends are struggling as much as they are, when you have a consistent liability in Van Roten, sometimes you're going to have fairly well-blocked plays that don't result in a big game because one guy blows block, defender comes from the backside, and potential 20 plus yard run turns into seven yards or potential five yards is a stop of the line screen. So um, I feel like that it should come in due time, especially when Specton comes back. But, um, uh, but that's kind of what we're seeing right now. But, but I feel like in the future, you can be hopeful because there are pieces in place with AVT with Becton. Uh, we'll see what they do at right tackle and center, but um, the foundation is there. So we'll see what happens. It does have to get better though, to uh, kind of help Wilson get into less third longs early in the game. Well, uh, I'm so okay. I'm so glad you said that. So, I, I personally, I think that the first and the second downs have have been pretty decent, right? Like the the run blocking, the play calling, the execution. Like we're we're getting to third and short for the most part. The issue really comes in on third down, where we're kind of forced to pass block because you were being very specific. You kept saying run blocking, run blocking, run block. Because when it comes to third down and the defense knows we're going to pass and they want Zach Wilson to make the tough decision, right? So they're going to, in an ideal world, close down that, you know, that those slants, those hooks, and they, they want him to throw over the top, right? That's what they want. And all I can see, Mike, is Von Miller running around Moses without him even laying a hand. Yeah. Or, I, or, I, can, or I, I just see, like, like even this week, Moses, get, like, I don't want to, like, get into – you know, too much like specifics, like hitting every single player with specific plays because everybody makes mistakes. But just talk to me about we can, you know, we can start getting into Zach Wilson. But just tell me what's what's going wrong on the third and longs, right? Because we're always in, we're always in you know third and short. I would say we average without fact checking, like maybe like four to eight, like third and four to eight. Like we're we're making it pretty decent, and. That's where it just blows up, man. So talk to me about why we can't excel on third down. What's going wrong with the pass blocking when we're getting blitzed? And is that really the offensive line? Does that go to the runner and the tight end, the RB and the tight end like we were talking about? Or are you a little, are we being, uh, are we not being critical enough on our quarterback? Yeah, I, I do think the pass protection the last couple of games has been better. Um, I mean, obviously the sacks were down, but it's more than that because we know a lot of the sacks were on Wilson the first few games, but they have been better the past couple of games in terms of hits, pressures, all that stuff. Um, but I think, I think the last thing you said kind of, kind of is it, especially in this Falcons game. I think there is, it's been a lot of just rookie lumps from Zach Wilson, especially, um, I think back to the Broncos game where there were instances where in the Broncos game is kind of an outlier compared to the other ones that he's played. Cause in that game, he kind of got really conservative after the Patriots game through the four picks and against Denver, he wasn't as aggressive last couple of games. He's turned it up uh, just like mm-hmm. the first couple of games. 
Um, but in that one, he misses the throw to Elijah Moore at the beginning of the, of the game. There were a couple of times he checked it down. Third down. Was that was a third down, down too to Moore, right? Yeah. That, that short, yeah. Yep. It was the first, uh, first drive of the game. So, yep. um, and then they're in this game, they're in this game, obviously the story that everyone has been talking about was just like the easy throws that he was missing. There was a really good screen that like Tevin Coleman, please, zone. no, please. That was right in front yeah. of my face, Mike. I was and right. In, oh my God. It hit Moses head. And I, was, oh, I was literally sitting in front row, right? In, that was right in front of my face. And he had the end zone and it hit Moses' helmet. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, probably something else happened. And then I went home and watched that tape. And I, like, literally today, and I texted Alex. I was like, actually, my stomach hurts watching that play. Like, I, like I'm in physical pain watching Zach Wilson throw it off the helmet uh, when it could have been a touchdown to Coleman, too. Like, you. you you keep mentioning how it's all the little things have to come together. And what's driving me absolutely nuts is two times now, everything just escalates off the first drive and we're not even on offense, right? Like the Patriots, when we had the fumble that they decidedly called not a fumble and it could have been a fumble six, but regardless would have been a turnover and they scored off that. That stinks. And everything just sort of like now we're already down seven zero. The defense is tired. If we get a three and out, now they score again. Now it's two possessions. And now, you know, we can't run the ball. We can't, you know, run our scripted plays, quote unquote, that we have ready for the first half. And the same thing happened, I, I would say, in Atlanta, right? I mean, how do you call that third down, that third down roughing the passer on Williams, man? It was, that was the most. That was awful. That was, that was, that was egregious. It was, it was egregious. Brutal. And that just changes the whole game. I, I know, like, for example, Lamar Jackson sarcastically was, uh, thankful for his first roughing the passer call after 650 dropbacks. You know what I mean? Like these players aren't, you know, the ref is obviously not being fair uh, to the younger quarterbacks, to the ones that like to get out of the pocket. So I, I mean, I know we don't have all the answers, but if you're, if you're just put yourself in LaFleur shoes or just, you know, Wilson shoes, how, how do you combat that? How do you combat disaster? You know what I mean? Uh, before you even get on the field. And you're already looking up up a mountain. It's it's my first possession of the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's already like we're seven zero. I have to score. If not, it's going to be fourteen zero, and then it's over basically. So I ha- what do you do there? Yeah. So I, I think, and I was kind of looking into this a couple of days ago. There is one thing that really stands out about the first quarter play calling that I think can change and help them get off to better starts. Um, they've been extremely run heavy on first down in the first quarter. I, I believe they've run the ball in 71% of their first quarter plays, which is mm. the highest rate in the league. So I, I think there is a degree of predictability in the first quarter. Like you said, they have gotten into some third and mediums, third and shorts, but I feel like they need to be getting to less third downs in general or fewer third downs in general. They need to be picking up, moving the chains on first down, moving the chains on second down through the air. They've, had a very strong run, run, pass tendency in the first quarter. On um, the second down plays in the first quarter, they're eighth in run percentage. Um, and then third down, they pass over 70% of the time. So, um, so that's really what they've been doing. And obviously, you know, you got to just play better. You know, you make throws, you catch passes. We're not blaming the offense coordinator as much. Look back to Elijah Moore, the bomb against the Panthers, Corey Davis, the pass that goes through his hands against the Patriots. Um, so, you know, you just execute better and things look better. But at the same time, I think to be the most run-heavy first-down team in the league in the first quarter, when you're not necessarily at the point yet where you can run the ball well enough to justify that, isn't the best strategy to continuously ask your quarterback to get you out of third down. So I think that they should call more first-down pass, significantly more first-down passing plays for Wilson coming out of the bye week just to get him in in an early rhythm. like you talked about, scripted plays, that's your chance to run those scripted plays. We know what a first and 10 is going to look like at around 25. Um, so get him a chance to play in that situation, not wait till third down to get him in his rhythm when, like you said, predictable passing situation. O-line struggles a little bit more when Greg Van Roten has to go one-on-one against Grady Jarrett or whoever, and he knows that he's going into a pass set yeah. and there isn't the threat of the play action. So I think they uh, LaFleur can be a little bit more uh, a little bit more balanced in the first quarter because I think that's why they kind of do better later in the game because they don't necessarily go extremely pass heavy until obviously when they're in a huge hole in the fourth quarter and you have to pass. But middle of the game when, when he kind of shifts away from super run heavy to being fairly balanced, that's when I think we see some success. Um, mm-hmm. so I think if he can just tone that down, be doesn't have to be pass heavy, but 
just be balanced, average, you know, 50-50 between running passing, all three downs in the first quarter, I think could help a lot more. Because right now it is very predictable with the run-run pass in the first quarter. So I think that can improve. Okay. Uh, my question, so you, you talked about 71%. That was on, like, first downs, you said, right? They yeah, run first on first down downs? in the first quarter. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the second down was what percentage? It was another run or is it another – or is it a pass? Second down – Second down, they've been 50-50, but that's still okay. the eighth highest percentage of runs. Okay, and then third down at 71% again, pass, right? Yeah. So how many plays is that, like, in total that we're talking about for, like, each – like, can you give me, like, an aggregate, like, between each game? Like, like what's the average then? Like, how many plays is that? I think because they've been so bad they barely had the ball, I yeah. think that <laughs> – I think Wilson has 15 pass attempts in the first quarter of the season. Wow. So – He's obviously just not had – obviously, that's partially his fault just for not playing well. And guys drop passes. But, um, yeah. but yeah, there has not been a big – a large sample size. So funny, okay. dude. This is like perfect – this is like exactly what Salah said, man. He literally said the first half, we run our scripted plays. Third quarter, we adjust, which, okay, you you find out that they're guarding the run. We do the pass. And he said fourth quarter is a free-for-all, which is exactly what the stats are showing as well. Yeah, so I, I really think that some more first quarter balance uh, can help them out a little bit. And, and you know, we, like we talked about, this is a rookie offensive coordinator in the floor as well. So I think the bye week should be a good chance for him to evaluate everything, kind of take a look at the tendencies and uh, come out with a, a slightly altered plan. Because I think, like I talked about the run game, and there are seeds of success there. I think you could say the same thing about LaFleur who has shown that he can adjust in the second half mm-hmm. really well. The Jets are outscoring teams in the second half this season. So uh, and that's a positive. It's something we never saw with Adam Gase <laughs> and, and many of the offensive coordinators we've had. We complain constantly about not being able to adjust. And before is doing that. Mm-hmm. It's just starting the game, um, being able to have a good plan coming in and being able to adjust before the half because, you know, second quarters haven't been good either. So, um, so I think that's a, a good way they could kind of start coming out of the bye week. Okay. And to like follow up that, follow up on Zach for, and for another question for Zach Wilson, then we can finish with the wide receiver and go on to the defense. Um, for Zach Wilson, right? Like, and, and watching this, uh, watching this offense, you know, we saw when he was at BYU that he likes to get out of the pocket, that he likes to throw the deep ball, you know? So do you think that they're, pretty much trying to establish a run game because one, it's always been like, it's always been touted around the league that for a young rookie quarterback, you want to have a solid, strong run game in order to ease them into the NFL because they're just not there with the speed and the reading of the defense yet. Also, do you think that it's partly because that they want to establish the run that way they can do some play actions and get Zach Wilson on the outside and start having him just be in his comfort zone to make those type of plays? Yeah, I think it definitely seems like that they're trying to emphasize building that run game. And that was the plan to really be a run first team and build it off of that. Like you said, um, they've been very aggressive throwing the ball. They're, Wilson's mm-hmm. near the top of the league in terms of the, um, his average depth of target. He throws among the most deep passes. So they're not playing it safe there. It's just that, you know, you get down quickly, you can't run the ball. Now he's throwing it too much. But I think, like you said, they want to be able to run the ball well. If, run play action so he can do what he's comfortable with. And that's getting outside the pocket and throwing the ball deep. We're just, we've just seen too much of it and in too many dire situations where he's down a lot. So he's forcing things more than he should be, um, or it's third and long and he's again, forcing things too much. So, um, so the lack of success in the run game is definitely hurting that aspect in terms of putting too much on Wilson's shoulders. Um, so I think that it's very important that they get that run game going as much as, I think they should be a little less aggressive running the ball early in the game because I, I still think that is too much because you, you can try to work the run game in and support your quarterback without doing it more than everybody else in the league on first down uh, in the first quarter. So, um, but they do need to be more successful. I think once that success in the run game comes, I think that will be um, aside from any adjustment that they can make. Mm-hmm. Um, just sometimes it's as simple as, Play better, run the ball better, and <laughs> catch, that'll, that'll help catch the ball, right? Like yeah, adjust, exactly. adjust, meaning don't drop it. <laughs> Some, yeah, sometimes, just, sometimes it is that simple. You know, for the wide receiver core in general, especially one Corey Davis, just catch the ball. Like, come on, you're the primo <laughs> yeah. guy. I think that just sums it up for the wide receivers because I actually like our wide receiver core. They actually look 
you know, the, I know the separation is an issue. I know the drop passes are an issue. I know Zach Wilson is also an issue. But I feel like our wide receiver core is like we actually have a wide receiver core. We're actually pretty deep there. Um, but that's what I bothered think, me the most, Alex. Yeah. That's what drove me absolutely nuts. And, Mike, if you have an answer for me, that would be fantastic. I mean, that's why you're here because <laughs> how in the world – didn't Crowder and Berrios absolutely murder the Atlanta Falcons? They had no nickel. Their starting nickels out. Their backup rookie nickel was out. Like, what's the problem? Why didn't Crowder have 300 yards and three touchdowns? Like, I really don't get it. Yeah, this this is just a rough one in, ter- in terms of those expectations. Like you said, I, I figured, hopefully no one listened to me because I put out a tweet where I said, um, Bro, I think same. the over-under <laughs> for Elijah Moore was like 23 yards. I was like, Go ahead, put everything you have on that. I literally started him in one of my leagues. I started him in Crowder. Like I was like, "How we have elite slot cornerbacks? That's I mean, slot receivers. That's basically all we have, and they literally don't have nickel cornerbacks today." Like, do you want you want the, you want to know the answer why that didn't happen, guys? Because uh, because our one video producer Greg decided <laughs> to bet on the Jets, bet against the Falcons, who he is known to have a terrible <laughs> betting record against the Falcons. When he ever chooses them to win, they lose. Whenever he chooses them. Uh, to lose, they win. So he chose this week for them to, to lose and look, and look what happens. So thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks a lot. Um, but I, I can also give another reason for that. I've worn my Elijah Moore jersey in two games this season. Week one against the Panthers, negative three yards. Week five against the Falcons, zero yards. So I oh, can man. also be blamed. <laughs> right, so we finally got to the bottom of it because it doesn't make any football sense. That's so why those guys didn't kill. So bring out the bring out the baseball rituals. That's essentially what we're getting at over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's move on to the defense, and then we can keep keep finishing this up. Mike, what do you think about this defense so far? Like, I'm really impressed. I think we're all like John and I are really impressed because with the guys that we lost, right? Especially you have May, who's now out. You had, um, you know, we lost Carl Lawson at the beginning of the season. We, we've lost so many Gerard guys. Davis. Every, everybody Davis, we signed, Vinny Curry. Everybody we yeah. signed is gone. <laughs> it's crazy. Is, isn't um who who's our uh, isn't is Joiner Marcus is Joiner is gone? Too? Yeah, Joiner yeah, out too. Yeah, too. so like we have a, a lot of the guys that we signed are out, but yet this defense, this defense of young guys as well, especially at the secondary, like at the cornerback position in particular, which we thought would be the weakest position, has been showing out. Granted, wide receiver course that they were that were supposed <laughs> to be stacked. Haven't been stacked, but this defense has been showing up. What are your thoughts on this defense so far? Yeah, they've been destroying expectations. And Salah's doing what he did last year at the Niners when they had a ton of injuries, lost all their talent, but still finished as top 10 defense. And we're seeing him do it again. So um, I I think it all starts with those corners, how impressive they've been, Mm -hmm. um, which is not something I think anyone expected to be saying. I feel like it was unanimous that they were the worst position group on the team. Um, and here we are. They're maybe maybe the best in competition with with the D line, probably. But, um, Dude, they, but cut, they, they cut bless Austin like a week before the season. We're like, oh my goodness, like yeah. what are we gonna do right now? And then they were talking about, oh, we'll go by committee at quarterback, and we're just like, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, <I know>. yeah. <laughs> uh, but here here you are. Now you have a completely normal, no committee, just flat yeah. out good cornerback group with all these young guys. So um, they they've been excellent. Bryce Hall, Michael Carter, second in the slot. Obviously, they've been the headliners, um, and, and then even the depth. Like I don't, Brandon Eccles and Javon Guidry haven't necessarily been as good as them, but I think just the fact that those are your, you know, your second guy on the outside, and then your fourth corner can come in and be as you know solid as they've been. When you know, in the past, you're talking about Richard Robinson or Lamar <laughs> Jackson last year. Guys would just come in and get absolutely or penalties smoked. by Bruster Screen or Screen, just, just and these guys are out there, and it's like. You know they're not they're not perfect, but they're not getting beat over the top, and they're not committing big penalties. And the game just goes by, and you forget they exist, and that's great. So the cornerback group is really impressed. Um, Mosley, like you said earlier, has come back and I think been himself. And then the D line, I think, has been playing really well, especially without Carl Lawson. To think about how good they could have been or could be next year when he comes back is, is, you know, really tantalizing to think about. Franklin Myers has done a great job converting to the edge. Quinnen, mm-hmm. I think, has had a, he's on his way to putting together, I think, that year three leap that could put him in that conversation as a top five type of guy. 
Sheldon Rankins has boosted the pass rush, and then Foley's being being Foley. So and Bryce yeah. Huff too. So there's mm-hmm. so many pieces. Except in pass coverage, line. right? Except in <laughs> pass coverage. Yeah. Except in pass coverage. As, as uh, it's just interesting, you you know, Franklin Myers gets that big deal, and we're all hyping up. They're like, maybe let's see if he can cover Kyle Pitts now. Like Good maybe Lord. he can do anything. So uh, that, that was rough. That was rough. I mean, that was the craziest thing I saw. I was like, really? This is what we're doing? First I mean, try? <laughs> it stinks, right? Because last year we were so bad against the tight end and we all knew it. And this year, that was what we were so worried about, right? And then that's why we drafted two safeties that converted to linebacker. We're like, okay, like, let's do this. First couple of weeks, it wasn't really them, but somehow we were good against the tight end and it just all the doors blew off. Like, do you have any thoughts on Sherwood and Hamza? Yeah, I, I feel like for them, it's definitely been a predictably tough transition. I think it's more so than the corners. You would expect them to struggle because of the position change. Um, and I, I think on special teams, they've been good, but mm-hmm. definitely defensively, there's been bumps. And I, I do think Sherwood had his best game against the Falcons. He definitely looked better, but, uh, but he's been moved. Both of those guys, I think, uh, have been moved around quite a bit in the run game and they're very light for linebackers. Um, so you, you would expect it, but. The potential is there, you know, they obviously are unique in, you know, what they're doing, transitioning from safety and have the ability to be useful, uh, versatile pieces on defense. But, um, uh, I think it's definitely going to take at least until next year. But the guy we haven't talked about yet, Quincy Williams has really surprised coming in there. And mm-hmm. I think to be fair, there has, there was a little bit, he's a little bit overhyped the first couple of games there because, you know, he was missing tackles over pursuing yep. screens, mm-hmm. stuff that, you know, you see the highlights, but, you know, you yep. talk about all those plays that he complained about in the Titans game, the third and longs. It was, was on him. him yep. Yeah. My making God. that mistake on most yep. of those plays. So there was good and bad, but I do think the Falcons game, he finally put it together and was legitimately really good. I'm still so, so mad about that first drive. It's such a disservice to the yeah. Jets and such a disservice to him, man. Yeah. If he would have came out and got a sack on the first drive, like the, it's just different. You know what I mean? We're like, oh my goodness, again with this guy. He's killing it. The Jets' momentum. Like we were ready to go, man. Oh, so frustrating. Like, what, what were your expectations on the Jets coming into the season? Like, did you think we were going to make the playoffs? Like, did you think we could like be around 500? Like, what, what, what did you think? Or, or did you expect this? Because I personally did not. I did not expect a one in five. Maybe like, you know, not nothing crazy, but like the way we lost these games have been kind of tough. Yeah, I think for me, I was kind of in that six, seven win range. When mm-hmm. but Lawson, I think, had a big impact on it. Yeah. I was probably more, you know, thought maybe nine as possible, eight or mm-hmm. nine with Lawson. So that was a big, a big hit for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, just seeing it now, like if he was there and. You, Franco Myers and Lawson Huff is your situational guy. You know, that would be, this could be the best pass rush in the league. So I think that definitely took a hit, but I do think to start the season, I definitely expected better. I would probably figure they'd have two wins at this point, maybe three. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, I think that we've seen a lot more kind of typical Jets sort of stuff that we didn't hope that we weren't going to see, you know, getting <laughs> destroyed by the Broncos and, Four picks in a game from the rookie quarterback. But again, like we said earlier, just the fact that they made a couple of those games competitive, I think is still progress compared to what we've seen recently. Um, but you know, looking at it, and it's easier to say now that we're in this situation, but I think it probably would have been more fair if we expected a tougher start and then finishing stronger and getting to those six, seven wins more so in the back half compared to, you know, kind of being up and down throughout the season. So. I feel like that's still what, what could happen because with the collective talent on this roster, I feel like it's better than the record, better than the point differential. And we should see, um, progress towards the end, end of the season. And the schedule doesn't really line up with that. The, the end of the schedule is kind of tough. We got a couple of Bills games, the Bucks and the sophomore schedule is kind of coming up right that guy, now. Tom Brady. That guy too. <laughs> so, so I, so I feel like we could see maybe a couple wins in these next few weeks. That may be a little bit of a rough patch, finish yep. stronger. But, um, but yeah, I, def- I did, did not think they were a playoff team. I thought potentially, but I, probably six, seven wins is where I was putting them. That's like where I had them as well, six, seven wins. So I don't think that they're that far off to still accomplish it. It, 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 it all this is gross. It's, it's just, this is gross. It's, to watch. It's, it's <laughs> gross. It's just, I mean, it's gross to watch because it's the offense. If 
if Zach Wilson, if we're talking about Zach Wilson not having four interceptions against the Patriots, if we're talking about a wide receiver actually catching against the Broncos, we're talking potentially competitive games. We've had one against the Panthers. We got that win against the Titans. And we still made it somewhat competitive, even with a sloppy game from Zach Wilson uh, against the Falcons. So if he continues to learn, have a little bit of growth, like I still think that that we can be, we can get there. It's going to be an uphill battle to get there, but I still think it is doable. They just have to come out of this bye week and really start hit the ground running with some real adjustments. So with that, Mike, do you think the Jets should be sellers or buyers at this trade deadline? Uh, I think there are a couple different ways they can go in both directions. Like in terms of Marcus May, I feel like, I feel like it's a good time to sell with Marcus May. I think that he does, doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest in his side coming back. Doesn't seem like the Jets want to go to his number. Um, Doesn't so seem like feels, his agent really wants him to be there either. <laughs> that, that as well. So it, it seems unbelievable, like that, man. That that was definitely wild, just to you know come out. So frustrating, dude. Like so that. frustrating. Um, Seriously, I, why I, does it have to be like that, bro? Like, it's like, come on, man. Like, uh, everything was so great with you, Marcus. Like, you're our guy. Ah, oh, whatever. Uh, just the Jets' was <laughs> safe, safeties that they pick. It just can't end well with them. So same draft back. too, back to back. So you back know what it means. Picks. Bad. Well, yeah, second round pick, man. We all know about the Jets' second round picks. It's just trade them, How dare you. light them on fire. Stop, stop. <laughs> we got faith in Denzel Mims over here, right? <laughs> all right. Whatever you say. <laughs> Elijah Moore is going to break the second round curse. I, def- right. I think he will. I hope so. Um, but, but yeah, I think Marcus May is an opportunity to sell. But I think there are some ways you could buy and help out the team um, in the long term as well, because obviously you're not trading for players to win now, but I think there are ways like the Shaq Lawson trade. I felt like that was a good way to, um, again, you're not trying to make the playoffs, but I felt like with the Vinnie Curry injury, Carl Lawson's like, let's boost the edge rush. Let's help the corners out. And, you know, it supplements the development of the rest of the team. Those are the types of trades that you want to make. So I think the position I'm looking at is tight end. I feel like that is an opportunity to see, see what you can get out there. See if you can get it. Like Dan Arnold just got traded. See if you can mm-hmm. get that kind of player. And just, you know, help out your rookie quarterback. And it doesn't even have to be a receiving tight end. Like, they can get a good, yeah. really solid blocking tight end. Pass blocking or, like, run blocking tight end? That'd be, yeah. that'd be nice. <laughs> get, get Ryan Griffin off the field. Get someone who can block. And I think it would go a long way. So I think that is where they should be looking. See what you can – they have a ton of picks. So see, see what you can get on the tight end market. And right guard, too. Look at that as well. Um, so either of those positions, I think they should definitely look into buying because not necessarily you're trying to make a huge move to win, make the playoffs this year or even get a star for the long term, but you can find guys who could help your rookie quarterback develop right right now. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I'm just nervous about this whole OJ Howard thing. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to trade for a tight end who's injured. I don't want to trade for, like you said, somebody who's supposed to like put us over the hump. I, I get the loss in signing, but was it really a good signing? Like, did it really, was it a really good trade? Uh, I don't know. That, that Something about football trades just don't uh, really translate into immediate impact. If honestly, if we could trade Marcus May for a draft pick, I, I would be ecstatic. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Like, just give me a draft pick, hopefully not in the second round, and we'll move <laughs> on from there. <laughs> Imagine comes back with like, we'll give you three second round picks. <laughs> no way. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> give me one fourth. That's fine with me, bro. <laughs> um, so do you, do you think, do you think that we're going to be able to come out of this bye week and actually beat the, the New England Patriots? Cause it's going to be the first team that we repeat play. So that's big for all our rookies, our rookie coaches, you know, our rookie quarterback, but also at the same time, Bill Belichick just watched Zach Wilson go against him, right? He watched LaFleur and what he does. So that's also kind of scary. Like, how do you think we're going to come out uh, versus the Patriots next week? Yeah, I think looking at the Patriots matchup, I mean, it's probably I maybe uh, not better than the Titans, but better than the rest of the games in terms of the best team performance. I think there was a lot of good stuff in that game. The run blocking, um, I feel like Elijah Moore is getting open a lot in that game. Um, also, he didn't have Crowder back at that point or Cole, um, and Mims wasn't involved yet. Um, the defense was really good. They kept getting put on their own side of the field, holding them to field goals. Um, they forced really like four fumbles in that game. They didn't get any. Yeah. Um, there was one on the first drive that obviously should have been one. 
There was Mac Jones had a fumble that he recovered. Yep. And there's there's one fumble that I didn't see initially, but on the replay you could see Marcus May sacked Mac Jones and he knocked the ball out. But yep. he fell on he, it. Yeah, he fell on yeah. it. So, it's the same thing last week, by the ball. way, versus the Falcons. Like we had not only the Hurst fumble that he lost, but there was like two or three fumbles, like one fell out of bounds. Uh, one, yeah. the, another one, the Falcons recovered. So the defense has been really getting the ball and, on the ground, man. And, and we almost had, I mean, there's one where we that should pick have six. Pick six, man. Oh, oh my God. Six. No, don't even bring that up, yeah. dude. Don't even bring that up. We would have won the Yo, game. That no, was a screen. That screen pass was just insanity. Oh, God, damn, God damn it, man. <laughs> God damn it. I'm so mad. <laughs> yeah. Telling me, look, they're going to have to, I'm I, like, John, they're playing the Patriots. I live in, I live in Boston. So that's good. It's in Boston. It's in, it's in yeah, Foxborough yeah. this week. Thank yeah, God, I, man. I don't want him back in MetLife. Just go, go to MetLife, go to Foxborough. And I'm just really not impressed with, with this Patriots team, guys. Like, no. I, I, I know that was one of our best games, but I don't think that's because the Jets were so good. I think that's because the Patriots are just, yeah. Ah, they just chop block right. everyone. That's literally all they do. They're, they just run around, chop block and throw the tight ends. And then maybe, and James White being out. I think that's huge for us. I mean, look, uh, for, for me, I, I see, I look at the tight ends, like you said it, John, like you have McCorkle back there. He's only throwing three yards. <laughs> Max do anything, five. bro. He's, just, he's in true game manager mode right now. And like, you're just hoping your defense play. They're hoping their defense plays well. And if you have the Texans, that's a close game for them. Like, I think, I think if everything pulls together that the Jets have a chance to legit, like, Take one and don't say it. Don't say it, bro. We're gonna win a game. Don't say it. Stop it. I'm not saying it. If you're not saying, I'm not gonna say it. So you're the one who's always out here. You're the crazy man. Let's just let's keep it right. Let's 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 keep it. Let's keep it a buck. But Mike, what do you think about this? Uh, Do you think this? Do you think the Jets have like a good shot against the Patriots in Fox, bro? It's usually not good for us when when they come up here. Yeah, I mean, just based on the last matchup, I think they do match up with them well. Because, like you guys said, like. Mac is just playing dink and dunk football. The Jets have played that pretty well. They keep things in front of them and they tackle pretty good. So, um, I feel like, uh, that they did show that they match up well last time. They have more reinforcements since that game. Um, but it's, I'm not going to predict the Jets to win a game at Foxborough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And especially like thinking about Wilson there playing in that environment, the way he's playing right now, it's tough to picture him playing well. But I, I do think they have a chance just because of how well they matched up last time. And it will be a good test for LaFleur because, like you said, um, you know, Belichick gets a chance to see him for the second time as well. And he told, absolutely had his number last time. So let's see if LaFleur can come back in this chess match against Belichick. So um, it, it's it's a really good measuring stick game to come out of the bye, to play a team that you played already, match up against pretty decently. Um, just, you know, your quarterback really struggled. Your, I think your coordinator really struggled, rookie coordinator really struggled. Can those guys adjust in their sec- first time playing a division opponent uh, for the second time? So great measuring stick game. Obviously it would be unrealistic to expect them to win regardless of how weak this Patriots team looks. But I obviously I, I do think they have a chance. Okay. One question. Mouth the God's though. ears, bro. Your mouth yeah. the God's ears. <laughs> one one question before we we wrap up this uh, Jets talk, and then I get I get some Knicks question in for you. Uh, I've been preaching for a little bit for the past week because you touched on it earlier for Zach Wilson being. I, I think they've been a little too aggressive just trying to push the ball downfield. Do you think that they should tone it back a little bit and just do a little bit more checkdowns, just get the easy like conversions? Because I feel like just adding that, and we saw that against the Titans where he was able to just mix and match, just going deep, keeping it short, keeping it in the middle. Like he was able to effectively attack a defense. You think he should be doing that? Yeah, I, I do. Um, because you look at his accuracy numbers and this was really interesting. I found this out a couple of days ago and wrote an article about it, but his accuracy on passes that he gets out in under two and a half seconds is really good. I believe he's fourth best in the league in terms of his adjusted completion percentage. I think 89% on those throws. And then over two and a half seconds, I think he's all the way down at around 61%, which I believe is sixth worst in the league. So, um, so that's been a really important split for him when he has gotten it out quick. The accuracy has been better. Um, so I think dialing it down a little bit is the way. Obviously you don't want to make him into a game manager and just start screens all day. Like like the Broncos game, the Broncos game, I think was an example of him just in terms of the way he was playing, toning it down a little bit too much where he wasn't himself. Mm -hmm. Um, but the extent that he's played for the most part of the season, 
is too much. He's been maybe the most aggressive quarterback in the league. Part of that's him, and part of that's just the way that they've called the game for him. Because yeah, he and the fact that we're down two possessions by the by really his first drive almost. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and that's a big part of it. And you know, part of it's his own aggressiveness. Part of it is the fact that he does throw among the fewest screens in the league, and obviously that's just the way the offense is drawn up. So mm-hmm. I think you don't necessarily want to be extreme with changing it, but. Just dial down a little bit. Few more screens, few more quick, quick slants, just quick passes. And especially early in the game, like I was talking about earlier, I think it's important to get his first down, uh, get the first down passing attempts up in the first quarter. And that's a good time to put them in when you can plan it out, when you can, um, look at the opposing team's base defense to start the game, figure out where the weaknesses are and attack that with screen passes, um, and just quick, uh, just quick plays. So, um, yeah, I think that. I don't think they should dial down too much because the thing is he's doing the best right now is throwing the ball deep. That is definitely his best skill right now. For sure. And you don't necessarily want to take that away. But at the same time, I think you could dial up more stuff for him, you know, just make him throw the ball really quick. Um, just so we can get into that rhythm early in the game. So I think dialing it down a little bit is the way to go. And, and you said it right there, just getting him in rhythm, uh, just getting him in rhythm early in the game. So that way, when he does push it downfield, he's already ready to go instead of just coming out. Not necessarily cold, because obviously they do their warmups and whatnot, but it's it's a lot to ask. Be like, all right, kid, 30-yard <laughs> bomb. Let's go right now. And it's like, woo, can I at least uh, get, old, get, can I get a, a few reps in like game, get real game action before I do that? that? That's all I'm asking for. And I only brought that up because we're talking about uh, the king of dink and dunks, uh, McCorkle, and I just want to know if we should just be sprinkling that in uh, for the New York Jets. But, Mike, thank you for your your, your Jets knowledge. But now we got to move on to what we all – actually, all of us, even our video producer, Greg here. We all love this team. Regular season starts next week, mm-hmm. October 20th, against the Boston Celtics. Let's go. We got beloved New York <laughs> Knicks. They're already 3-0 and in the preseason, so you know what that means. It's obviously a championship season for us. So, Mike, <laughs> how do you feel about the New York Knicks this season? <laughs> I, I feel really good. I, I'm excited about what they did in the offseason. Um, I love the continuity. I love the fact that they were able to maintain that continuity and the future flexibility and the young talent. Do all those things while at the same time getting two, I think, upgrades in the starting lineup with, you know, you go from Elford to Kemba, you go from Bullock, who I think played his role really well last year and did a good job, but to get another creator in Fournier in the starting lineup, I think is going to be a huge boost because at the end of the day, last year's team was elite defensively. And I think you feel confident you can carry that over because it was mostly just Thibodeau and his scheme and the culture. It's not like they added elite defenders. He made guys like Randall, guys like Barrett play much better defensively. So you feel like you can maintain that. The offense was the issue and you get two huge, huge offensive upgrades in the starting lineup. So I feel really good about what they did in the short term, they did it while maintaining long-term flexibility. Um, so I don't want to get my hopes up too much for this <laughs> season because it's, it's tough now because we have expectations for the first time in know. a long time. So it, I don't want to be disappointed by them. But I, I think the realistic expectation is to hope they finish around the same record just because of the East potentially being better, healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, although over in Brooklyn doesn't look that way. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but we'll see. I, I, I have, you're, you're talking to Alex Hart right now. You're <laughs> really speaking the love language, man. Any slander towards the Brooklyn Nets is all welcomed on this podcast. Please keep it coming. Um, but I agree with you, man. I mean, we got expectations now. Knicks, as you said, made the key signings, have continuity that we haven't had in, since the 2013, 2014 season when they brought back like 72 to 74% of their roster. This is the most. We've probably brought back. I can't wait to see the numbers. I haven't checked it out yet. Um, but yeah, expectations risen. We, we broke, we broke expectations last year. So what do you expect for this team? What, like, what do you expect the range? You know, I have this team going 48 when somewhere between like a fifth and a sixth seed, they're, they're out of the plan. I just think that with the Miami Heat, uh, I think they got better with the addition of Kyle Lowry actually having a floor general down there. Um, they have, you got, uh, who is it? Brooklyn Nets are going to be good, even without Kyrie, uh, James Harden, Kevin Durant, two of the most prolific scorers in the NBA right now. I still have them as the one as a top two team. You got the Milwaukee Bucks. You got to res- put respect on the championship winner's name. You got the Atlanta Hawks, who they kept essentially everybody. 
uh, if not everybody. So they're going to be up there too. And they're a good team. They just made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last season. I don't see them missing a beat. So I have those teams between the Heat, the uh, Bucks, the Nets, and the Hawks up in the top four. And then it starts to slide into, like, for me, like the Knicks is where the Knicks can come in. Mm-hmm. You know, John's been preaching it. And I agree with him about the Indiana Pacers being a really good team because they got a lot of depth. And then you could talk about the Bulls, Wizards, Hornets. They just got blown out by 50-some points. <laughs> Yo, so that's that not, that's not a real team. I don't want to hear anyone talk to me about the Hornets. That's not a real team yet. Uh, but, like, what do you expect? What are your expe- expectations for the Knicks? Yeah, so last year they were, you know, over 82 games, about a 46, 47-win team. So um, I feel like they did kind of not necessarily luck out because they did their job. But the East, I think, is going to be stronger this year. So I, I think just right around that range, if they can win at least 45, I think that's a good place to be. Because I think that's what's exciting about this team is that we don't have to feel pressure to do everything this year because they still have their picks in the future. They still have tradable contracts. They have young talent from top to bottom. You know, you've Barrett going mm-hmm. to his third year, quickly into his second. You got Deuce and Grimes at the bottom of the roster developing. So the future is still very much intact. So I think you can feel good about just keeping the success going, continue the positive culture, you know, stay open as an option to any potential disgruntled stars because you just want to continue. Well, you started last season in terms of looking like the place that stars are going to want to go. Um, and that's a huge thing too. So um, I, I do think this team does have the, the potential if, you know, Barrett can take a continue progressing and quickly in Obi, if Kemba can at least, at least be what he was last year, but even maybe if he can stay healthy, creep a little bit closer to his peak self. There is the potential to touch 50 wins or go a little bit past it, but that's a ceiling. Mm-hmm. So I think realistically, um, I'm looking for the mid forties. Uh, and like you said, around that five, six seed range. So you're speaking the low language uh, with the 50 <laughs> wins of, I know you're saying around my range, but John has got the 50 burger right now for this team. John, what is it? You got 50, you got 50 wins, maybe a little bit more. And what's the seed? I got, got 50. I got uh, Holito made me, Stay on the 50 burger. He made me hold that to him because I put him on the, the put his ass to the fire because of Obi. So he put my ass to the fire, made me choose 50 <laughs> wins. And I'm sticking with that, man. I'm sticking with the 50 wins. And everything this team is showing me, forget the preseason wins. It's how they're playing in the preseason. Right, right. I, I don't care that they're winning the end of the game. It's the fact that they're not coming out and looking like the Hornets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And the one thing that Mike didn't mention is the fact that for the first time in our lives, uh, our modern lives, uh, <laughs> our head our head coach doesn't think they're going to get fired. Our general manager doesn't think they're going to get fired. Our superstar is locked up. Like everybody is happy. Our 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 depth players are paid. Like this is the first year where nobody's freaking out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's weird. That, that that's that's a weird feeling. And I think that makes your team better. Like I think that translates when you travel, when you're in the middle of the season and nobody's worried about their contract. Nobody's worried about, you know, what the guy upstairs is going to say to them because Leon Rose, he's with them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no fighting. There's no, oh my goodness, what is this coach going to do? Like it's Fisdale or like any of the other guys. You know what I mean? We all know what Tibbs wants. Like even the rookies who are getting drafted the night of the draft are like, oh, we know what Tibbs wants. Like we're going to be yeah. Tibbs players. So. That is what excites me. So I'm sticking with my 50 burger. Do I want to say fifth seed? I, I, I mean, I like, I think those four teams, that's fair, but like you forgot the 76ers. <laughs> so I, no, I'm, well, Ben Simmons showed up. <laughs> Apparently the reports that he can't practice because he hasn't gotten his vaccine shot. So <laughs> All right, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, man, no Ben Simmons. <laughs> I'm not buying Philly because you know, Joel Embiid's not going to be playing the, the, the entire season. Let's keep it a buck. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I, that's fair. I, I'm with you on the fifth seed. I don't know. I'm fifth or sixth. I, I just hope we stay away from the play in, but yeah, I'm, I've never been so content walking into a Knicks season in my life. This could change dramatically after two weeks, right? If we start, you know, like the not last year's Knicks, but the normal Knicks and we go like two and nine. I'm going to start panicking, but right now I'm very content. I'm Won't very happen. happy. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't see it happen under Tom Thibodeau. I just can't. We just need a center. We just need a center to be there. Apparently Mitch Robinson's getting in next game. Yep. I'll, I'll ask you this. My last question before we get you out of here. Do you think we extend Mitch? I, I think, man, it, it's tough. They're committed to Noel. 
I, I man, like I, you can hear the hesitancy. I really, yeah. I want to say that they do. I would love to see him extended. I think he deserves it. Um, I think they do just because of the precedent that they set this off season with rewarding their own guys, kind of mm-hmm. maintaining that culture. I, I, I think they'll keep it going. Um, we'll see though. Uh, yeah. I'm not hundred percent, definitely not 100% sold that they will. Yeah. All right. I, I, I think we'll see something at the end of the season. That's when he, yeah. that, that's when we're going to see contract negotiations. I think they want to get a full, uh, evaluation of it before they do anything. That's just my take, but we'll see. But Mike, thank you for. What's good, everyone? Alex Terrace here. And yeah, uh, it may sound like the recording ended abruptly, and that's because it did. So this is the ending right now, because funny enough, I guess the cats, my cats have heard John and I joke about them on who would win first between them, the New York Jets or the New York Knicks. And I guess today was the day they decided to wreak havoc on the recording process and decided to unplug my computer. And because of that, that's why the ending didn't go as it normally does. So I'm doing it for you and I'm going to do it for Mike. So make sure to go check out Michael Nanya, who's an awesome guest, gave us a lot of insight. He's very good with the numbers and breaking down film. You can go find him at uh, JetX, uh, JetX Factor to be exact. And you can catch him on the Cool Your Jets podcast, which is also part of the JetX Factor uh network so make sure to go check out his work he does awesome stuff uh yes please make sure to go check out michael nania's stuff and if for us right make sure to give us that five five star review on apple podcast if that's where you listen to us and if you don't listen to us there it's okay because guess what you got spotify google play amazon alexa stitcher you name it we're there on top of that you can find us on youtube so make sure to hit that subscribe button make sure to hit the notification bell and make sure you know, just to give that likes up because it's always a good thing. It's always a polite thing to do. And last, but certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you name it, we are there. All right, everyone. We'll catch you later next week for another Knicks episode of the Knicks Jets, etc. podcast. And to end it for John, let's go Jets.